Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers. I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. And we have a special guest with us in the studio this week, my good buddy, Sean. How's it going, Sean? Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's nice that you made the uh, the flight all the way up to, to New York City to come into the studio <laughs> with us. Yeah, it's really uh, it's a long flight, but, you know, it's worth it. You know, I know you got super important places to be today because I hear uh, for the two of you, something big is happening today, right? Oh, that's right. Um, I'll still be in queue by the time I get back, though, so it'll be all right. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. It's, it's, the la- it's the first official launch of a game called World of, World of Warcraft, right? Yep, it's based on a real-time strategy game of a similar name. Oh, I, th- I think I played that once. The the Orcs and Humans, I think orcs is what it's humans, called, right? That's it. Right. So what we're talking about here, for those that don't know, is, and we'll probably be talking off and on about it a little bit here, is uh, World of Warcraft, obviously, is a huge, massively multiplayer online role-playing game that every person on the planet basically knows. Uh, but recently, they just, uh, or today, when we're recording, they launched... Um, what do you call it? A reset of the server where they start all the way back from as if it was day one. Is that correct? It's sort of a, a kind of hybrid approach, but they're calling it WoW Classic. It's the game as it was essentially 15 years ago. 15 years. Man. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, I think we're, we're all getting a little bit old. <laughs> That's right. Were you even out of high school, Dennis? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Barely. I was, I was in Bloomington working for Trotsky. I don't know where you were, but. You weren't around yet. I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I had one of my kids wasn't even in the world yet. It's so crazy. Yeah. Ugh. Jeez. So anyway, they're they're uh, they're starting all over again. And so how how do we how do we know Sean? What do we, Sean? How do we know you, buddy? Well, I first met uh, I met Drake. Uh, I guess fourteen years ago. Um, oh wait, Drake is. I don't know if anybody knows Drake's. Dennis's gamer tag. Right? Yeah, this is a this is a throwback. I, I mean, people still do this. I guess almost all of the video game uh, uh, podcasters and YouTubers go by online handles still. But back in the day, most people would not use their real name for right. privacy reasons, etc. I mean, Facebook wasn't really a thing yet, and uh, and yeah. What, so, what's your online game, uh, Sean? What's your name? I, I go by uh, Angerwind. And not because I'm an angry guy, but uh, <laughs> my wife and I started playing um, World of Warcraft together. And actually, it's funny. I'm playing. I had made a rogue at the time with a different name. And she goes, I think I want to play this, too. And so she made a character. And the game would suggest names. And it suggested Angel Wind, which she liked. Mm-hmm. Like, that's far too girly for me. And so I'm like, <laughs> Anger Wind. And so, uh, unfortunately. Oh, yes. And unfortunately, I chose a priest, which means that you always have a right spot and so that name kind of stuck so right by the time i knew you you were not playing a priest you were playing your rogue uh alpha dorian yeah that's right actually uh what had happened is you know i had started a guild then and uh, i inherited an account from a buddy of mine and his character's name was alpha dorian oh. and he had better gear than me so i uh, i just played his character that's funny wow. that's that's a thing that you think about I don't know, this is a little inside baseball here, but back in the day, oh, I'm, I'm probably going to say back in the day a lot this episode, so just as a <laughs> as a preface for the listeners, if you're not interested at all in World of Warcraft <laughs> or online gaming, that's going to be most of our conversation tonight. We will... We'll uh, see you tomorrow, guys. Have a nice yeah, day. <laughs> we'll, we'll squeeze the Matrix in somewhere toward the end, so you can skip ahead. I'll put chapter markers in. 
Right. But, Do you like uh, Keanu? Consider yourself Keanu. warned. Uh, back in the day, there was no kind of server character transfer services that you could purchase from Blizzard. And so if you wanted to uh, change factions or change classes, you had to start all over or you had to do a thing that we called eBaying, which is just like it sounds. You <laughs> buy someone else's account or um, like Sean did, you get access to a friend's account if they quit or something like that. Uh, I was one of those who did who did eBay because I started playing on Horde. And when my buddy who I played with at the time uh, decided to switch and join a guild uh, with a guy whose online name is Sharp. Uh, he was going back to Alliance. He still had a character on Alliance side. And so we both bought accounts because we're like, it's going to take, you know, another six weeks to level up again. And we're right at the beginning of raid content. We can't wait that long. He was a much more hardcore player than I am. And uh, and I was like, well, I just finished leveling solo because I came to the expansion about a month late. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. And so, yeah, I had a character... <laughs> that I didn't love the appearance of. You also couldn't change character appearance back then. But uh, yeah, I, I do love how how your your argument here is that you didn't want to go through the level progression way back in Classic WoW, and that's what you're getting ready to do right now. Like I don't want, I don't want to do this all again. Well, <laughs> because I didn't basically I didn't want to do it by myself because I had just done it by myself again. Like I wanted to play oh, with true. my friend, and he was switching, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna follow him because. That's what uh, that's what he does. So um, part of the reason that I invited Sean to be on the show is that uh, he ran that guild that I was a part of, not the guild that I transferred for from, yeah, transferred to Alliance to for <sighs> prepositions are weird, <laughs> you guys. Seven, eight, nine, uh, ten. Yeah, um, we switched to Alliance for a guild that existed in Classic. Uh, I didn't get to max level in Classic in vanilla as they called it um and they still existed in burning crusade the first expansion and we raided as part of that guild for a couple weeks maybe a couple months and then the guild sort of fell apart um we might get into that later but um sean you and and some other people formed this new guild that's right that's right Free advertisement. What's, what's the what's the guild name? So that, the old guild was Letterm Tamales, right? Yeah, which uh, Pete and and Blake and I don't think Blake's been on the show, but Pete's been on the show. Uh, we were trying to parse what that Latin means. I think the closest we came to is like Doom Squad. Yeah, Doom Squad. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, it's or you know, Death Squad. I think is what we called it. Latin's a little tricky, but uh, right. yeah, very uh, sort of. Sort of typical name of that era. A lot of people would use Latin names because they thought it sounded super awesome and uh, and so forth. But the guild that, that we formed was called Resurrection. Um, so what's your... Do you want to give like a, like a five-minute overview of your history with the game and with raiding? Sure. Um, so I started close to release. Um, not quite at release, maybe like a month afterwards. And... Mm -hmm. uh, Hooked up with some guys in this guild called Champions of Light, um, some of which I'm still friends with today. Mm -hmm. uh, and many of those folks ended up in Letum Tamales as well. And so we, you know, we leveled up and <clears throat> wanted to experience Molten Core 
and found out, okay, got to have 40 organized people, well, actually more like 50 organized people over the internet, um, which is tough to do, um, which is why I imagine the raids are much smaller now, uh, in modern. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. so we're in champions of light and we're trying to figure out a way to to do raiding. And there's a, a gentleman who, um, had quit one of the big three guilds in vanilla wow on illidan where we played uh he quit this guild called die uh, which i'll get into mm. later um his name was Nimravis. um still talk to him a lot like like the guy quite a bit um that's a fine, fine upstanding person um he he told us he said hey uh, i've done this content with die um i want to start a new guild um do you guys want to join us and so we uh we joined um those of us from champions of light that were interested into his guild called Phalanx. And so he had uh, some Greek brothers-in-law, um, of whom my wife got some really good recipes from, so I'm <laughs> thankful for those guys. Nice. Um, and so we started working on the content a little bit, but uh, there was a little bit of, uh, I guess, dissatisfaction because he expected certain things from certain people um, and mm-hmm. wouldn't let people into raids. And we were a little too... Uh, I guess unseasoned in this kind of content. Sure. And so we, uh, so we organized a coup and started Let Em Tamales. Um, most most everyone joined us in starting Let Em Tamales. And our uh, our thought was, you know, we have this experience with with this ge- gentleman who started this guild um, that we don't like. You know, he's kind of a, a dictator, uh, which I later learned was you know, probably the better way to do things. Um, <laughs> and so we're like, we're going to do a council. That's how we're going to do things. Oh, so, that sounds terrible. Oh, man. I, I, there's a meme out there that none of us is as dumb as all of us. And mm, right. that uh, that turned out to be the case, at least in my opinion. There were some things to love about it. But uh, in any case, you know, we, we formed a little council. I was on that council. Um, and we, we did raid. We got We got some stuff done. But it was, was pretty frustrating. Um, a lot of you know, infighting, um, among Mm. people who would meet later in real life and become friends. Um, (laughs) but, uh, it it was just tough. Um, at the same time, we're watching guilds like Warpath and Saga and Die that I mentioned, you know, crush content. And all of us are, uh, really eager for some cool loot and experiencing that content. And I'm playing a priest at the time, which especially in WoW Classic, uh, was, a little bit thankless because you can't really do much on your own easily. So, Oh, right. I'm like, yeah. So I'm anxious for some like high end content. And, uh, so part, part way through vanilla, I quit, uh, let them tamales and, um, joined die. They, they accepted my application. Their, their, uh, guild leader there was a husband and wife pair, uh, named gray rage and Lisa. And they, they were, I still think you can find their soundboards. Um, probably on YouTube. Um, they were quite fun. Uh, I'll say, I'll just say that much. Um, you know, they, they basically were like, this is our guild. Um, we know what to do. You're going to do what we say. Um, the loot's going to go to who we say it's going to go to, and you're going to be okay with it. Um, and, and so that was it. I'm getting a picture of the, of the, of the knowledge from experience building up here, but I'll let go. go (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're right. So, you know, we're going from like, you know, six of us trying to run something and figure things out to um, just a, a true dictatorship type leadership in a guild with, I don't know, 70 people full of, you know, big personalities. If you find any of these soundboards, you'll, you'll see it. Um, but they crushed content and they were efficient. Um, 
you know, and I enjoyed raiding with them. My, my wife actually joined too. Um, she played a druid healer at the time and, um, we beat the majority of the classic content. We ended up getting stuck on a particular boss in one of the last raids, um, that the other guilds were able to beat. But, uh, but by and large, you know, we, we made good progress and, um, there was some fun world PVP in the original, uh, world of Warcraft. And, you know, gray rage was a pretty, pretty big stick. He always had this thing, like who's the spy, you know, and he's always trying to look for the spy. Hmm. I don't know if that was just part of his, he was a, I guess a investigator in real life. So I'm wondering if that's part of his personality. I I find it funny. Something you had mentioned there that it's a lot of people who, who uh, are on the outside and even can't grasp MMOs. One of the things that, probably blows their minds is the idea that you actually have to apply like we'll get into a whole idea of how much of a business type thing this is but to get into even a moderately okay guild most of the time you have to apply to be in it or you had to at least in wow i actually like that i think that games these days have lost something i don't know if the application thing is still a thing but like modern WoW has raid finders and like you never have to go to the instance. You can just queue for things. And right. back then, if you wanted to do something, you had to like kind of be a little bit of a normal human being on the internet. Um, <laughs> which now, I, I, I will say a lot of times I, I go this this devil's advocate route of, of saying how like that. I know a lot of times looking at. Uh, things now you can say oh that's that was great and it's good but i i could tell you sitting in the middle of of that thinking like it was nice when a raid finder or a group finder came in and then i could actually see content because i remember i i did play a game everquest and sitting in queues for three to four hours sitting in a in a zone hoping to get into a raid by my the guild that i was in with all the people and then it was just like long times of waiting you know, because you can't get into groups or you can't get into stuff and things are like, you're right. It does make it, you know, not as good quote unquote now, but it makes it easier. Right. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, for people, the, the, the one, the big drawback to the way it used, the way it used to be and is now with classic, um, is that this also meant that you had to dedicate significant portions of your life to these these guilds. I mean, I was raiding probably 40 hours a week. No kidding. Right. Um, I, I usually ballparked it at 30, but it, it, you probably spent more time than I did with all the oh, organizing. Man. Especially yeah. with guild leading. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, well, no, that, that was with die. Guild leading takes a whole lot, more, <laughs> a whole lot more time. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, my the, goodness. The, the thing with, um, it's funny, you know, again, 40 hours a week, 30 hours a week. That, that sounds like so much to so many people. And, you know, in hindsight, it is a lot of it. I mean, I look back and like, that's a ton of time, but I definitely spent that kind of a time. I know we would get home and, you know, after the kids were taken care of and then put into bed and then we'd spend five hours at night after that playing from seven to midnight or eight until one every day. Now, you know? Mike, you mostly played in, in Wrath, Wrath, Wrath of Lich King? No, I played, I played from vanilla all the way to Cataclysm, the one right, be- whatever the right before the Panda one is. I didn't play the Panda one. Yeah, that was Cataclysm. So, so did yeah, you so I, did you raid all during all that yep. time? Or okay. Oh yeah, I raided vanilla all the way through. Now, when WoW turned over to, um, oh, uh, is it like ten mans and twenty five mans type mm-hmm. raiding? I I want to say that was Cataclysm. In uh, in Burning Crusade, 
there were some raids that were 10, but most of them were 25. In okay. in Wrath is when things became flexible and almost every right. raid had a 10-man, a heroic 10-man, a 25-man, and a heroic 25-man. Right. Okay, so that around that time is when we completely decided to, our guild kind of collapsed and we went, it was a big guild from Vanilla and... Uh, Burning Crusade, and it was you know the thirty-five hour a week kind of type mm-hmm. of commitment, and then everybody was like, "We did everything." We're most, a lot of people were like, "We're done. We completed life. Check that off. We're done." <laughs> you know, and then uh, uh, we decided that was a good ch- chance for us to move off the PvP servers and onto a PVE server. Yeah, um, and then at that point, I be- I decided because it was easier. I went uh, joined a pretty good guild. And rated as raid leader, not guild leader, but raid leader through, through sure. the rest of my time on WoW. So that was my experience, I guess, with the things. Right. Uh, I, our guild led in EverQuest, the game right, bef- the big game right before WoW. Right. And let me tell you, anything anyone says about guild leading, they just don't know until they do it. It's oh, it's man. a full job. It's I, a full job. I don't know what um, the the best example that I try to compare guild and and especially raiding guild too is is maybe like um not not professional sports but like hurting cats well yes hurting cats is the joke but Mm -hmm. um like a like a community sports team nobody's getting paid everybody's there because they Mm, presumably want to be there it is you know you're playing against another team so that metaphor is imperfect but um, it's sort of the closest that, thing that I have because there's nothing there's nothing really similar unless you want to play like unless you want to say like you're playing forty man pandemic or something. Yeah, it's not yeah. even yeah, it's not even triple A ball. It's uh, you know your local bush league or whatever. Exactly right, where, where people can can take your stuff and leave, or you can you say, well, you're a jerk as guild leader or whatever, and then they just leave and you can't do anything about it. Oh man, that's true. You know. It's you got it. There's a lot of there's a lot of politics. I know that one of the best guild leaders that I ran with was a really intelligent guy, and he just had a calm demeanor about him the whole time. Hmm. And and while he, I mean, I, I don't usually follow that kind of a leadership thing, but he was the way he he led was just this. You know, I know he knew what he was doing. He knew the he knew the conversations that you know all the stats and the rules and the the raid he he knew it all right and and that every time i'd go and interact with him it just made me feel like okay i need to not say things because he probably knows more <laughs> you know I mean? we we had, you had one a, you guy had a better guild leader than uh than dennis did for sure yeah well <laughs> we, we had one guy who i think was that guy in terms of knowledge but was not he didn't quite have a leader's uh personality oh yeah we'll have to get into that a little bit just for fun. <laughs> so um, my my knowledge and remembrance of this time is that, um, as I said, I bought my account. So I leveled a hunter to 70 on the horde side and then bought a level 70 hunter on alliance side that was just a little bit ahead of my hunter. I never actually did the Karazhan attunement, which was a, a point of shame. But um, <laughs> my friend who I wanted to play with had done raiding as Horde after I quit, because we started playing before I moved to Bloomington the first time. And then when I moved and got a new job, I was about level 42. Uh, I was like, I can't uh, 
I can't do this and have a new job. Like, in a new job, I'm excited. I want to, you know, focus on it. And so I quit and then came back a couple months later when Burning Crusade was live. But my uh, mindset was, well, these people are doing this thing and it's hard. You got to apply and you got to get accepted in. I had the only MMO I had played before was original Guild Wars, which also had a, you know, an, an application acceptance uh, process, but I really didn't do anything in that guild. I didn't PVP, and that's the hard part of that game. So what, the standard wasn't that high. But in this world, this raiding world, the standards and the expectations were so high. And my buddy was one of these guys who wants to win, you know, at whatever he's playing. If esports had been a thing back then, he would have been doing esports. And I sure. wanted to play the game with him. So I was like, all right, I'm in whatever you're trying to do. But I always wanted to I wanted to hide my ignorance. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. So like I've never done this, this stuff before, but I don't want people to know that because um, you know, I'm also playing a hunter, which is the notorious for being the idiot class. And <laughs> I'm like, I want to learn if I don't know something, I want to ask somebody in private so that in general, people don't know that I don't know. Um, yeah. And I mostly did okay with that. I made some mistakes in in the early days. But um, I raided with this guild, Ledum Termalis at the time, in the early, like the second or third raid of... Uh, we were on Serpent Shrine, so we at least did some of the earlier stuff. And they were at the time still run by a council. And I don't remember the details now because that's 12 years ago or more. Um, but at some point, one of the officers, maybe a couple of the officers and a handful of people wanted to split off and join and start another guild. And then the people who were left, left and joined another guild and the guild just collapsed. Um, and then Sean and some other guys were starting Resurrection. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board with this. It was sort of a fresh start fresh impressions for me um i because i work in web dev i you know volunteered to to set up and run the forums and the website because you needed both of those things back then there was no discord uh right and so i was in the the sort of board of officers in as much as there were any kind of communal decision making which there really wasn't um but i always felt like you know, that imposter syndrome thing. I'm like, well, I'm running the website. So I'm an officer, but I'm not really an officer. I'm like an honorary officer. <laughs> right. Uh, which was funny for me. But, um, and and Sean, I'll let you uh, sort, of, sort of speak to this. You ran this guild as the way I describe it, as a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> uh, that's what I was aiming for. So I learned a lot of stuff from Grey Rage. One, that it's way more efficient if you can just make a good decision. Um, but there were um, some things that I also learned that... Oh, and the other thing I liked, too, is he had such a personality. So uh, I don't know if you remember, but you know, people would ask for something, and I'd be like, yeah, man, all I need is your undying loyalty. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I would stay, say stuff like that I learned from, from Gray to do. Um, but the one thing I thought was important, too, is, you know, I have some, some particular values that, you know, in real life I 
think are important. Um, you know, you should, you know, be the same person in public. You aren't private and things like that. And for me over the internet, I think that's important too. Honor uh, your word, honor your word. Um, do what you say you're going to do. Um, you know, I don't believe in like hiding behind a keyboard or anything like that. Mm. Um, so just be the same person you are on the internet that you are in, in real life. I know and, you, you were one of the few people in the guild who people would, other people in the guild would address you by your real name. Yeah. I didn't mind that. Um, so I, I think privacy is a myth, but that's another podcast entirely. <laughs> um, but anyway, I learned all these qualities from from Gray, and then I had some thoughts on what it what it would really look like if you had a, a person that was truly, you know, you know. Of course, I have selfish motives. I want to see the content. Um, you know, my wife plays a game too, and she's a much better person than I am, so she's going to hold me accountable. Um, Dennis will tell you that that's the true too. He's matter. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and so I thought, let's have this. We can have a dictatorship uh, with some accountability and. Um, you know, so I came to, I think I came to you and several others and said, hey, we're going to start Resurrection, which I thought was funny, you know, after having been in Die, Die had died. And so Resurrection mm-hmm. yeah. is what we came up with. Yeah, it was good. Nice. Um, and so, you know, we met some of the same people. I, I met up with some of the same people that we were in Champions of Light with and Phalanx and Lenin Tamales, you know, Zeri and uh, um, Vok and Isis and the whole crew um, mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're going to do this. Um this is the way the guild's going to be run. You know, we're not going to do this council thing. I'll make the final decision informed by your opinions. And, uh, and I, and I made a promise to in game. I said, if we do this, we're going to finish black temple. I, I, I promise you we're going to finish black temple. And, uh, which was like the big goal at the time. Um, right. Kill. Illidan. And yeah, we're going to kill, kill Illidan. Illidan. Yep. Um, and so these guys, they put their, I, I'm sort of a salesman. I don't know. Maybe that's a <laughs> terrible quality, but, was able to convince them to join. Um, we had some seasoned raiders from Die and a couple other guilds, as well as seasoned raiders from Letum Tamales. Um, some really very willing to learn um, people like like Dennis. Um, mm-hmm. And we were I, I, we had a we were really successful. Um, we were one of the most successful guilds on Illidan at the time. I, li- I like the the term that you used uh, seasoned seasoned raider. And, and again, for people who, who made it this far in the conversation and still don't know a whole lot about MMOs or raiding. Having somebody who has experience in raiding is super important, right? Like the the idea that Black Temple, for example, or any kind of raid when you you're playing a game. Heck, even when you're playing Mario Brothers, you you, you play it and there's this rep, repetitive type thing where you go up and there's a turtle coming on the way and then you've got to jump on him at here and then jump on the flag and hit this at this point and then you keep failing at it again and again and you keep practicing and. Every bit time you do it more, you get a little bit better and a little bit better until you finally reach your goal. Um, and that's the same way with these MMOs, except that they take, you know, instead of a two-hour sitting, they take a six-hour sitting. And then right. you don't achieve that goal, and you do it three times a week. And that's just the rating portion of it. And the seasoning part comes in is that if you're playing with someone or, or a group of people, and a lot of times it's 40-plus people, where you you finally take a step forward and get past a phase or a in Mario terms you finally get past that turtle that was always killing you. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to make sure that everybody's doing that same thing so that now you can and get past and learn from their mistakes to get past the turtle so that you can do the next part of it. Yeah, um, really the the Mario thing is a better analogy than the sports team, although it assumes that people know video games in general. But mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you try to explain to somebody 
Okay, imagine the boss fight at the end of a Mario level where you got to fight Bowser, except right. in order to bring him down, you need a team. I mean, all of the time that I did it, the team was 25 people, but even that was a lot. But like a, a team lot. of 25 people working together and dodging the fireballs all at the right time uh, to get that boss down. That's a... That's a and some of them, analogy. these were... were were especially the early ones, earlier ones before they nerf things or they make them weaker are you have to have a good 90% success rate in your you know non mistake standing and fire type yeah. thing <laughs> so so when you down some the, the big thing about these people who in, in even if you played MMOs and you didn't do the raiding thing the, the big thing about it is is that when you down a, a boss or you do the big thing at the end of the game when you play end game content and you finish it it's the idea that you have not only succeeded on that last guy, but you have mastered every step along the way to get to the point. And all 40 of you or 25 or whoever it might be are masters of your roles in those parts of doing that thing. Because you don't just get by on these games by, by just like, you know, face rolling through it. Yeah. the what What I thought of as you were talking about the seasoned, seasoned players and over over time is of course a lot of my uh knowledge issues comes from trying to play i've played in every expansion to an extent i've not really raided we had a bloomington group that raided in cataclysm and i tried to raid a little bit in uh in missa pandaria and in legion but um the part of that seasoning to me is um there's a certain amount of it that's about knowing your class and knowing the the specific detail, like the skill of playing. But um, for me, because I I developed that skill over time and a lot of it took me a long time, um, the seasoning was more about just understanding what this is and what this involves. It's so easy to get into groups now in in retail or WoW Prime, as, I, as I've been calling it, um, that you know, a, a, what we call a wipe when your whole group dies and you have to run back. People who played years past expansions past know that that's just part of it. Like a yeah. couple too many people make too many mistakes. Everybody dies. You run back, you start over, you do it again. And that's that's the whole thing. Like that's what you're doing. And so somebody, you know, a handful of people are like, you know, one wipe and they're like, I don't have time for this. And they leave and now you got to get new people. Even though it's easy to find new people, it becomes this revolving door of people in and out who are just right. impatient. I, I will say that the most fun I had in any any MMO rating and while the downing Illidan was a huge thing in my game playing career, the, the most fun I had was in Cataclysm or Wrath or whatever it was that had 10, 25. I want to say Cataclysm actually. Um, was because you had these zones that you could run with 10 players. And then at the end of the week, you could run it with 25 players. And the thing is, is that you can go into a small thing with a small amount of people and really hone those kind of things that you wanted to do mm. with two groups of five. And, you know, it's much more manageable that way. You can, you can, you know, a healer who doesn't heal knows it's they're the only ones that are causing that problem there's only two healers that's it or two tanks or they're the only ones right and then when you carry over it was always fun that you could go into the big groups at the end of the week on saturday and sunday say we did 25 mans 
is that now you're taking the experience that you've learned from there and doing that same high level on a on a thing. You don't you you don't have that like scary am I imposter syndrome. You know what you're doing. You sure. know what you've been doing. And, that's, and that was super cool. That's one thing I know I've said a lot of negative things about the current game. A, a thing that the current game has had for a couple expansions now is Raid Finder, or what people call LFR, looking for raid. Um, and it's just a system in the game where you queue into a raid, you push a button on your interface, and it puts you in a queue for that raid. Um, you'll get in there with 24 other random people, um, mm. sort of distributed two tanks and however many of DPS and, and healers. And then you'll do a... I don't want to say dumbed down, a simplified version of the raid. It'll have, okay. you know, 30% of the mechanics. There are a lot of okay. things, you know, the fire will hit the ground, but if somebody stands in the fire, the healers can heal past that. And Got so it. you're getting like, it's like raiding light. You know, the, the gear is not as good as the gear from the actual raid. But what people do is they run that because you get, you know, a once a week reward for it. And then when they get in with their actual group, if they're actual raiders, um, saying actual, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, then they, they have a sort of sense, you know, they know where to turn in the hallways and stuff, clearing trash, but they'll get to the boss and go, okay, what's different about this from, from LFR? Okay. You gotta, you really have to avoid this. You really have to tank the two bosses far apart or whatever. And it sort of gives people a practice run. Um, that's kind of cool for the actual raid. So now that we've got like kind of, we said a little bit of groundwork of why it's the current and past was kind of awesome. Sean, this thing with wow classic. So they're resetting it at the back. And for a lot of people, they would say this is back when, you know, they patched things. They've made things where it's like bugs or um, class imbalances and hard things, you know, were too hard or too difficult. What, what's the allure to go back and play in that environment where they hadn't, you know, uh, hunters suck or rogues are the are too powerful. Or, What's the appeal of going back and doing that? Well, I think part of it's nostalgia for for, for sure. Um, for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know we're reconnecting with a lot of people. In fact, uh, Blizzard released some interface to allow you to reconnect with people you used to raid with and play with. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, I I you know it was it was a lot about community. I, I find for myself the best times I have. In any game is when there's a lot of community, um, mm -hmm. and I, I'm guessing too. Blizzard noticed that there's a lot of private servers and things out there too, and so they're thinking, "Hey, mm -hmm. we can monetize this." But, but for me, it's just all it's all community, and and you know, I'm gonna roll a dwarf priest this time and not a night elf priest because um, <laughs> they were pretty awesome back then. Um, yeah, that fear so, so it's a little little chance to redo, you know, and re-experience some things and. You know, are, are you are you guys planning on actually doing the hardcore rating again? Because because I think wouldn't you assume that it would still take that same kind of thirty hour plus dedication to to defeat that content? Well, my hope is is there's definitely gear walls that are built into the game, mm -hmm. meaning you can roll in there in like greens and expect to win molten core. But right, I'm, I'm hoping that the uh, the knowledge and muscle memory that you know, all the seasoned raiders we're going to roll back in there with will make it so um, we can just do this on the weekends. You know, I think we're terming ourselves the uh, weekend raiders. Um, <laughs> and certainly I'm not willing to commit that 
that amount of that same amount of work that I was 15 years ago. Sure. Um, now, um, but an opportunity to, to hang out with folks, you know, that we played with before and, um, the hope that muscle memory and some memories will come back, you know, is, uh, it's pretty alluring right. for me. And some, some of that is also, um, before you had the, the drive that you've never seen the next fight or the next room or the next thing. Now it can be very much that you, the highlight is of the week, even if you don't get past the first boss, is that you're hanging out with the people that you actually know that you like in overall, right? You have the perspective of that, like, this is a fun time. This is what I missed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you already know you can beat it. Um, like, if you, right. uh, you know, if you lose for some reason, you're going to be like, well, our main tank's still got a, you know, all blue armor, so we're going to have to work a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. So there's none of the, like, you know, I don't expect any of the infighting, you know, oh, you suck at this game or any of that stuff to, Hopefully, to happen. Hopefully, right. I know that, uh, that Resurrection was 18 and up, so there shouldn't be anybody in there under 30. Yeah, yeah, now the rule <laughs> is 35 and up, so. Nice. That's <laughs> funny. That's that's really funny, actually. Now that they'd be over 30, wouldn't they? Yeah, oh, my goodness. It's funny how that works. People are, you know. When they're when they're not raiding, they're leveling up with their like kids and stuff. With, with their actual life, right? Yeah, it's the yeah craziness. Yeah. I will say yeah, another thing to add to about how time sinks work with MMOs that again people who don't raid or don't do this understand is that you've mentioned several times blues and greens and you can't get past it because of X, Y, or Z. It's that this game wasn't about just getting good at jumping on the turtle or jumping over the fireballs to get past Bowser. It was also about okay. You have to get, you know, spend time outside of that rating, like literally put in time with what dailies were and, you know, you could only do so much to get a random drop that would improve your gear. I mean, one if, piece of your gear. If you've played any, I'm not going to say any, but almost any single player, uh, like console, video game, any of the Fallout series or um, the newer Tomb Raider games or anything like that. Every game is an M, not an MMO. Every game is an RPG now. With you level up, you get better gear, better items. Video games didn't used to all be that way, but of course, over the last decade and a half, uh, game developers have realized that yeah, this this is a thing that gives people that sort of endorphin uh, thing, the incremental improvements and that kind of stuff, and it makes um, gives games more more longevity or makes them so overwhelming that people don't play them like me. And <laughs> right. The well, the, second the to thing, last Assassin's Creed game. The the thing that uh, like MMOs and Blizzard have to contend with is that is this subscription type thing is that when you go play a, a fallout or whatever, you've bought the game, they make no money whether you're paying, playing for a month or two days. Sure. Right. I mean, they, they do in the fact that, you know, you, the eagerness to play the next game, but Blizzard wants you to continue to play. So if Sean wants to have his tank, you know, get up in level to to fight a boss, that tank can't just like, you know, work a little bit at overtime and the next week come geared up. I mean, they they have made the game where it's, you know, it takes you can only do a, a quest a day and then get a, a point and you need 50 points to get upgraded boots. Sure. Right. It's, it's just a time sink type thing. So my, I guess my my point here is that there's a lot of time investment that people had to do outside of the actual rating time right right 
And that's where I know a lot of people have stuff from back in WoW they called a second job. Right? I oh, remember yeah. When I quit WoW, that was the thing when I, had, I took the step back and I looked at my spreadsheets. I had an Excel of all the things I had to do to get a new gloves. And I realized this is a job task list. Sure. Right, that I that I have to com- complete. Um, but it is interesting going now that Classic comes out because there's all that stuff that comes back. But it feels like a lot of the people are doing it for this nostalgic reason, this this friend and camaraderie thing. It's Pro- not necessarily about probably having a, to grind. A combination of of nostalgia from from people who did it, um, a little bit of the like long term FOMO, fear of missing out, for people who missed it. Right, like I played, I came to this game from Guild Wars, so it was at least a six month, probably a year or more old when when I first started, and then I got into the low forties and quit and came back in Burning Crusade. So I never saw any. I mean, I saw I saw Molten Core in the ten year anniversary, and I did like in Cataclysm. I soloed Anixia until I got the mount drop, which was a new thing mm, uh, after right. that. But I never saw that content when it was new, when it was difficult. Um, I, I still have nightmares about core hounds. So <laughs> they were I mean. still pretty bad in the 10th anniversary. I'm like, no, you can't spread you the kill them all out. Come on. Um, but of course, nobody in 2014 was accustomed to that level of challenge in a thing that you could just queue for, like like looking for raid. Um, did it- you miss, mentioned the fear of missing out too. You know, this made me just it made me wonder. I think Blizzard is the only one to reset to you know zero one of their games. Yeah, that's. I well, wonder. They're one of the few ones that has a game that's still going on that long. I that's mean, true. There's a, a there's wonder. a similar story I've heard about RuneScape. I never really played that. My little brothers did, which is funny because uh, we talked about this before the show. I didn't like to tell any of my family except my one brother-in-law about wow because i didn't want my little brothers who were we've had uh they've both been on the podcast actually but they were like 10 and 12 when i was playing i was like that's funny i was right. like i'm wasting my whole life in this video game but i don't want them to they're still kids <laughs> they, they're still they, they kids. can escape they can <laughs> escape i'm like i've been in college and i'm working now like i'm i'm I can make bad decisions. They're too young. I'm for stuck bad in this purgatory. I can't help it. But <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, just to just to keep us on the topic of of this leadership thing. Um, and I guess I can ask you both. Since I I didn't realize you both ran guilds, but um, before you started the guilds, ran the guilds. Had you done any other kind of leadership stuff, like in your work or in other hobbies? It's a good question. Um... So the only thing I can think of is, you know, I was part of a kind of a youth organization and, mm. um, and I, you know, I ran that for a little bit after I aged out. Um, but that was really it for me. Um, really for me, I just saw, I saw a guild well run, mm-hmm. but saw a concept that could probably work better and thought, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to try this. So sure, that was it for me. That's an interesting way to get like, to get that experience. And, and and I know Dennis is probably going to lead us here. I have a feeling later on is that how this game, like that experience that you gained as a leadership from this does apply to the real world kind, kind of type stuff. So while you may have not done something before then, 
this is very much something that you can do and say later on for a work leadership position. What did you do before your work leadership position? Like, well, I ran a guild and wow. And that, that (laughs) actually does have statement. If you, if you know what it means, it, it means, it means a lot. Well, it does. I told my, uh, uh, so I I achieved one of my long-term professional goals a little while ago. Um, and, and it's a leadership role in software development. And, uh, I told our CEO who this means nothing to that. I ran a guild of 60 people in an online video game. Mm-hmm. It was total glass eyes. Like, Oh, great. Good for you. You know, but it really does translate. Some of the skills do translate, especially, you know, in the culture of millennials and, um, you know, trying yeah, to keep people really happy. Point, yeah. I mean, it really mm-hmm. does translate. We yeah, have well, a, especially you're right. That's millennials. I never put it that way. These, a lot of people, I guess with the stigma of that, they don't want to do anything because they don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how, right. There's right. a there's a company in Bloomington where some of our friends have worked. Neither Michael or I have worked there, but um, one of my friends told me that in part of their interview process, sometimes they have new candidates play a game of Pandemic. And I first heard that, and I'm like, oh, that that sounds easy, you know, play a board game to apply for the job. But of course, over the years, as I've gained a little more self awareness in myself and how I deal with video games and not video games, board games and losing and and stress and and risk aversion and that kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. I see what that is. That's like a, that's like a social engineering test. (laughs) Right. I love that idea. I'm going to rip that off. See how people work together in a, in a stressful situation. That's not, that has no real stakes. Right. Uh, With my leadership thing, when I was guild leader of a pretty big guild was again, an EverQuest. And that was, I was in my mid twenties then. And um, so before then, the only real kind of leadership stuff that I guess I would have had was um, I ran D and D like I played, that was, you know, six to seven friends and getting those yahoos together on a regular schedule to play a game and rules and knowing what to do and, books and books. That was a kind of a thing that I did. And why I got into it was just a really very selfish thing was that I realized that I was getting in pickup back in EverQuest. The organization was, you got on forums and signed up for slots and you know, Mm -hmm. you, they picked you where they didn't pick you. Um, And then you would sit around for hours and looking, you know, pick, maybe get picked up on something. Uh, So I realized early on that if I ever wanted to get my Epic pieces I needed to actually organize things because they didn't have the whole idea that advancements that wow had with this thing called DKP and stuff. It was just one guy saying that I think this person's put it up in enough time. They get that loot. Mm. And what you do is you just back in EverQuest, you just keep raiding every week and keep being a good citizen. And hopefully that someone would recognize you in the group. Um, So I realized if I ran it, I always ran it under the, the um, little caveat that I'm running this. I'm going to be fair and good, but I get the I get the the wiz, the warlock you know piece. That's that's the one thing you're not going to come and you're not going to get that piece. That's the only thing. If you're it's a warlock, interesting. Don't apply. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's sort that's of really what it was. Um, that sort of ties into uh, something Sean was saying earlier about um, that benevolent dictator or um, sort of. Uh, straight talk with people. I know that we hit a point, this is at least the way that I remember it and the way that I describe it, we hit a point in Resurrection where we were so successful that we had more people 
applying than we could take. Um, right. <clears throat> and you wouldn't know, you know, whether somebody was any good. You'd have to bring them on as a trial regardless. And um, we we sort of joking but half serious tongue-in-cheek would, would refer to Sean as the godfather because yes. <laughs> if people people would apply to the guild and we would say you know make them an offer they can't refuse they would <laughs> he would say well you can you can join we raid at these times you need to be on time for raid and you're probably not going to get in the raid but you have to be here you have to be ready and if you the like benevolent part of that was we had a whole uh point system dkp system and if um if the new applicants farmed the um, materials that we needed to make whatever for the guild, they would get points as if they had raided. So they'd get something they might not get to raid, and it might be a couple weeks before they ever did, but they were still expected to show up and be available in case they were going to swap somebody out after a boss or whatever. It was kind of a... It always, to us, to the rest of us, was like oh man, that's kind of a crappy deal. If they take that deal, then they're probably somebody worth keeping. It's sort of like a weed out. Uh, <laughs> well, and I, uh, I always try to like look for opportunities on easy bosses to get them easy loot too. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, again, taking, I know the three of us here see that as a total logical, good, kind type thing. <laughs> but if you take a step back from it, you're like, Man, what a terrible frat boy type of you know thing that you've got pledges that are hanging around and giving you beers while you party, and hopefully they can get in the party. Well, I mean, that but was, that's basically what it is. Yeah, that was part of my my Godfather thing. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, they gotta just show up. Like, I some of those fights, some of those raids. I'm like, can we? I don't need anything off of this boss. Can you swap me out? I'm gonna go level an alt or something. Like, yep, and this we is did. tedious. I've done this dozens of times, but for a while I was the only hunter, and we're like. Oh, well, we might want, I don't know what, misdirect or something, but... Um, Especially to someone that was AFK. Right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, it is the it is the, the geek's frat house is what it is. I mean, it's it's not for just, like, bros and stuff, and you have to have skill, but it's still basically a earn-your-way-in type thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we, hope, we tried to do right less, by them as much as Hopefully with we less could. hazing and uh, uh, <laughs> date rape, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit yeah well the the I, I remember those times too and we we it was i know for a lot of our stuff we had we would have always almost always have an open slot i mean when you're rating with 25 to 40 people you're you're gonna have you know a handful of people not show up so you would get those other people in there but you would quickly find out it was easy to weed out people that were like, it's one of those iron sharpens iron type things. Sure. When you get in there and the thing wow had that you can say whatever you say about it, however you feel about it. But this thing called meters where you could go in <laughs> and if you're damaged meters and oh, we ran you could meters. See that, yep. yeah, you could see that where you stood and it was abundant to everyone. And when you're looking back and you're like, we're not doing enough damage. And then someone posts the meters for everyone to see. And you're at the bottom three out of, t- out of 10. You're like, oh, man. Especially, that I mean, that's... Makes you not feel good. You know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, type. you got a little bit of that um, Mark Twain lies, damn lies, and statistics. But if you're... Sure, If sure. you have experience, you know, as we said earlier, seasoned players, then you know you're like... 
well, yeah, this guy's numbers are really high, but he's playing Boomkin, and Boomkin at this level of gear sure, sure. is overpowered. And people know that, and it's not just like, oh, you never expect that a hunter is going to do better than a mage or a rogue. Or, um, <laughs> but I, by whatever. the way, Sean, did you notice this is the this is the hunter jumping to the the meters race? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I've, I've I've complicated feelings on meters because sometimes it. I mean, we joked about it, but there are times when it makes people make bad decisions. Oh, it does, and, and that that's a whole that's a whole topic. But the idea of it though is that you can see there's ways to to compare. You can measure you know, yourself to others, oh, yeah. and, and even if it's not meters, it's it's a this person's always dead. Oh, right. right. Always standing or, or in the fire. Always standing in fire. You know, they're, yeah. they're always in my group and I'm always healing them. Or the, the, whether there's no meters or not, it's that a healer is constantly targeting one dude and always healing him and he's not the tank. Oh, man. Yeah, right, my, right. You, my favorite thing you about just tell that. My favorite thing about meters was uh, after the raid, you know, after they're posted. Then this, yeah, I got a mage. Hey, I want to talk to you privately. Mm. Like, oh, my goodness. Here we go. That's right. a good, uh, that's a good segue into um, another question I wanted to ask. Uh, uh, Sean, do you have a maybe single biggest challenge that you had to resolve or maybe a, maybe a recurring challenge that kept coming up every week without, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, brigade or, or shame anybody, but like in general. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you've got a bunch of people on the internet and you know, they all want loot, right? Sure. So loot's always a thing. People are always, always going to be unhappy. Um, but someone is. Someone lost out, DKP was wrong or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody posted a meter, somebody's offended. And this goes <laughs> in real life too, by the way, if you lead any sort of significant organization, somebody's always upset about something. Sure. Uh, right. Part of me thought, you know, I started working full-time at an insurance company when I was 18, and I thought, hey, I'm working with adults. These people are going to act like adults, but adults are just old <laughs> children. Um, yeah, that's right. Totally. So as a GM, and I'm sure, Mike, you can relate to this, um, you know, after a raid or during a raid, somebody, you know, you've got to deal with somebody's problem. You know, they've got some sort of problem. So I regularly, uh, after a raid, would go grab a beer and a cigar, go out on my porch <laughs> with my laptop for an hour or two and just seriously just talk people down from the ledge, you know. And that was, yeah. that's the hardest part, in my opinion, is just, you know, people, people are people and they, they have wants and needs and desires and feelings and, you've got to be able to uh you got to be able to navigate that in a way that you know if you're trying to hold a guild together that a holds it together and b uh you know allows them to feel heard and uh, that's uh that could be challenging it's challenging in real life too i I struggle with this professionally to be honest you know that 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 is another dennis you had mentioned transferable skill i mean you do it's it's silly but people are you know people and you can't just leave the day and say there's you know we did a thing or we didn't do a thing, talk about it next week and break and whatever. Because it's that Bush League or pickup type game, you do have to deal with emotions. Yeah. And I mean, you really do. Some could because someone, your best uh, healer, could be but heard about some little thing that <laughs> is nothing, but you have to deal with the fact that you have to deal with it somehow. Yeah. And, and somebody's, somebody's reaction or, or impression of a situation being emotional, being irrational doesn't really matter. Right. It doesn't help to tell them that they're being irrational. Like they feel a certain way. And, and to them, those, 
you know, as a podcaster I listen to says, those those feelings are real. Yeah, it's a reality. Yeah. Um, I I remember a conversation I had with my dad years ago um, because he, in, in his professional career before they started their dog breeding business, um, he worked in manufacturing as a supervisor. And for a while, when one of my sisters was um, in sports playing volleyball, my parents were um, head of athletics in this um, homeschool organization at the time that did sports, right? So they could have teams, organized teams to play against other private schools and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they would come, I would hear just, you know, little hints of, of drama and issues between the various parents and the coach. And that's why I use sort of community sports as a, as an analogy to this, because I asked him, my dad, I said, is, does your experience from, from work, from managing people at work, help you in this, in this situation, in this role? And he said, not really, because at work in a, in a professional setting, you have, you have an authority figure and who's usually that supervisor who can say, look, this is your job. You do this or you're fired. I remember you sharing uh, the story when you're in. Right. Yeah. It's one of my, one of my favorite anecdotes, um, <laughs> you know, in a, in a club, in a guild or a, a team or whatever, there's a, everybody has a choice. And in the case of a sports team, it's, do you want to play this sport in a team and occasionally win? Well, then, you, you have to make this choice, but you always have the choice to walk away. Um, and a guild is the same way. Like, do you want to raid? Do you want to sometimes uh, kill Illidan? Well, then you have a choice. Um, but it's not it's not like losing your job. And, you know, if you're, depending on the community, depending on your skill level, if you want to find or start another guild, that's, that is always an option. The one thing I'll say, though, is uh, from a guild leader perspective, you know, you you kind of have the skin in the game. And I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. Sorry, New Yorkers. Oh, Sorry, New Yorkers. Man, dude. Oh, <laughs> dude. All right. Keep going. Fine. Fine. You know, and, and fine, we'll, Sean. <laughs> I hope neither of you guys are St. Louis fans because I'm going to have to leave immediately. But uh, All right. Well, it was I, nice meeting yeah. you. Have a great night. I have no. Uh, talk, let's go to the Matrix now. I have, okay. I have no. Skin in the game, that's the wrong sports metaphor for baseball, but I'm not <laughs> right. really a, not really a baseball fan. Um, if I were, I'm definitely a Cubs fan. I grew up north of Chicago. Oh, thank, thank goodness, uh, thank looking, goodness. Looking for new co-hosts we are listening now. We are just, we are just <laughs> two days. Michael Mike, what are you, uh, what baseball team are you? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan. Yeah, Cardinals I figured fans. by your reaction okay. that was that's, the Cardinals. That yeah. that at least makes sense. Like Indiana doesn't have a sports team, and Terre Haute is probably closest geographically to St. Louis. Yeah. Sometimes do, do the Colts not uh, count as a sports team now? Well, not a baseball team. Oh, okay. baseball um, team. <laughs> and Jeez, I don't I don't know man. if I said sports team. Indiana doesn't have a baseball sports team. Ball. Um, well, I just some, wondered with Andrew Luck leaving. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. We're <laughs> we're about two three days away from Andrew Luck retiring, which. I'm going to choose to believe the Reddit conspiracy that he he quit football so that he could play classic WoW and really. That's what I heard too. It all lines up, man. It all lines up. But one thing I'll say though, to get back to it though, is a uh, yeah, as a GM, you know, I'm watching the um, manager of the of the Cubs. You know, his name's Joe Madden. If you're not familiar, 
you know, he, he came on in, I think, 2015, and every year since he's been there, they've been in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, in some form, of an, some form or another. They won a World Series for the first time in 108 years. But yeah, if you that. read if you read any forum uh, or hear any sports talk, they're like, is he going to be back next year? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, playoffs every year since 2015 and a World Series? You guys are freaking insane if you don't retain him. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it feels like to be a GM. I mean, he creates a lineup card, and he says, this guy's going to bat leadoff. And you could say, okay, this guy's going to main tank tonight, and these are going to be my healers. And everyone is going to say, why did why did you have this crew? You know, hmm. and right. you know, there's always second guessing. So I, I'd say that's the other thing is like just all the, you know, and you'll do it for a variety of reasons. Like, all right, this person's a capable healer, hasn't been in a raid in a while, you know, and I I don't want them to quit, so I'm going to put them in. You know, I, you know that that that's a really good that's a really good kind of topic here to talk about is that. Note all this extra work in dealing with people and putting in the study time because you do have to be at the top of your game on every kind of thing is that um, you don't get paid for it. You also are subject to the same DKP loot rules as anyone else, mm-hmm. with the exception that you're always in, in on, you know, always on the raid. Wait a second. I thought you said you, you always got the warlock gear. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that's right. <laughs> and, and, and I, I never make quest, a, a right? caveat. To, yeah. to that thing, yeah. but but in general, you're you, most things you're just you're also in the mix. I know with that everyone else. I know that Sean couldn't have pulled that off because two of the other officers and both the the raid leader and the one like generally top DPS, which was my buddy, all three of you guys played rogues, so there was no way you could have like loot counseled a piece of gear without getting uh, a lot of blowback. Oh no, no, and I'm also not smart enough to do that. So, it's... <laughs> well, the, the the that's the most important thing though is to remember. Like I said, this is kind of the way they say a thankless job, and that you have this thing that you don't get paid for it, you don't get extra stuff, and you do you know almost twice as much work as other people, and yet you don't get anything more for it. I know that for me, it's the same reason that I still run D and D today, or that I run board games, where I'm the guy that set stand you know, puts the game out and says, here's how it's played um, or play fantasy games. It's the, I like, there's a management goodness to it. Like there's, I guess, like playing the meta. I like putting the pieces in place. Like you had said, Sean, like this is my tank that I want to put in here so that we can succeed. If not, I swap this guy out and move that one in. Um, that's kind of an enjoyable thing. I know for me, that was a really neat thing to set up line, uh, you know, uh, groups and say who needs where, where, and then adjusting as it goes on. Doing that and succeeding is a huge reward in and of itself. But uh, it really is. Doing it and failing sucks. I'll just say <laughs> it does. It does. I, I was and, I was going to yeah. say, and I'm glad you brought up Mike uh, DMing because that's often how I not often, but it's occasionally how I feel GMing our our Star Trek thing. I'm like, man, this is like being a parent. I put so much, and I'm not a parent, so this is a, <laughs> you know, kind of crappy thing for me to draw an analogy. But I'm like, I put so much work into this, and they're just like, they just complain all the time. Like, what you have no concept <laughs> of what. But but you're right that that um, that feeling of like when we're there and we're doing it, and like chris and fox will get in a debate about whether or not they should break the prime directive in this situation i'm like oh yes i did it it's working uh they're they're actually playing the thing um 
So it's very much that's very much like being a parent. To, I mean, that is it's like lo- toads of crud, loads of crud, uh, days literally. and years, and then for that one, like one, Dad, you're the best. Okay, you so know? so this is a this is a perfect opportunity for this question. Um, do you have any any moments or maybe general aspects of this adventure of raiding and raid leading that made it worth it or the most rewarding for me it's always community um so i i I like succeeding with people that i like um which actually is my the the thing that's worst for me too as a gm is man when we had people i did not like um because of one reason or another uh, I'll, have, I'll have some follow-up questions off the air because I don't know names. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, oh, I remember people in the guild that I'm like, why are they still here? And we're like, what makes you oh, man. But again, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. call people out on the show. But yeah, right. anyone listening that knows us is, you know, anyway, I'm a right. different is person that me than I was. That they're talking about. No, okay. Yeah, anyone right. that who I've clashed with, apologize before. Anyway, I will. I will say that for. Current me, I could see how that would that would be a point for me. Like I would want to do things like that for the the community and the camaraderie and and the kinship of it all. I will say that twenty to thirty year old me was very much doing it for the gear. Like I and and mm. the personal thing, I wanted to kill Illidan. I wanted to see the next step. You know, I, I and I I definitely remember going into other MMOs. And I, I'm thinking of Star Wars, The Old Republic as a perfect example. It's that you would play through the game and you could see skills, how the synergy worked in the skills. And like, oh, I'm a, this is a healing dot that is supposed to be rolled into other heals. But without being in a raid, it just, it, you don't use it. Sure. And all of a sudden you start realizing that like, you could see those things and, you know, I wanted to experience the full content of a game and the mm. full like strategy of a thing. That's what I that's what I drove for. And that was the thing that I went for. And I I at the time I could care if I ditched my best tank because he was a, a jerk. You know, that didn't matter as long as I could it furthered the goal to see the new content. I'll um I'll chime in here, answer my own question, even though I never led a guild, but rating was a, a massive time commitment for me. My initial goal, as I said earlier, was to play with my friend, and I am one of those weirdos who never was super obsessed with gear. I looked at people who would level up a profession like engineering for a current tier best in slot head helm headpiece, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not what professions are for. Like you're doing all right. this for one, and the first time a a helm drops off Magtheridon, you're going to replace that. Like, that seems pointless. Like, I was more focused on, like, I wanted my gear to match. Like, how come the gear never matches? <laughs> like, it's all blue except the boots are red. It looks dumb. Um, and if I if I run back in my mind the things that, where I got the most, like, adrenaline rush, endorphin, like, exciting, you know, peak moments, um, killing... Uh, Kael'thas was the boss that I remember because that was a very complicated, I'm sure you guys remember, it was a very complicated five-phase fight. And we spent weeks and weeks oh my gosh. wiping on it. And the we never got past phase three. And the first time we did, we took it all the way to the end. And it was a time where I was literally at the edge of my seat. Like, I was up in my computer chair. I'm like we're going to do it. We're finally going to do it. Uh, and that was 
of course, a great moment. Um, where was where was he? Where's I tried to put where Kael'thas was? Tempest in Keep. That fight. It was those those Draenei spaceships out at the end of Netherstorm. I'm still drawing a blank. In the what, north, tell me, tell me some, tell me some things about the fight that. that so I, I, Burning Crusade. To to he's this. a big uh, night elf, and he has four. Not night elf. He's a big blood, blood elf, elf yeah. and he has four blood elves with him. One's a mage. One's a, a engineer. One's a warrior. Um, one does a fear. Uh, Kael'thas himself does a mind control. The mage has to be um, mage tanked by a warlock, I think, or a mage. Kited around, right? Pretty much. Or or back. The engineer has to be kited around. Um, was it, This wasn't in the Sunwell, was it? Sunwell. No, no. Uh, Tempest Keep was before Illidan, was before Black Temple, and Sunwell was after. Okay. So it was the... F- um, it was the second um, 25-man raid. The the Naga fish one was the first. First big one. There were... I think I remember Gruel this. Gruel and Mechtheridon. Um, it's the one with the weapons. Like, you fight... You, you fight his council. Right. Yeah, you fight his council one at a time. And then you fight these weapons. You loot those weapons. You fight him a little bit. And then all the council pop up, and you have to fight all four of them at the same time. While um, one of those council is doing a fear, an AOE fear, like a shout, and um, Kael'thas himself is doing a mind control. Okay. And some of the I weapons would this. break mind control, so people had to like equip, had to loot and equip those these legendary weapons for this fight. Um, okay. But anyway, that's. We're deep in the... I, the reason I, I ask is I didn't remember that being a difficult fight. I can't remember. I was trying to think what... Because there were, there were several that I know that in my memory was like weeks. I we mean, weeks We might suck weeks. compared to the guild you ran with, but we were good. <laughs> no, 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 no. We were good no, no, on Illidan. Sure, everybody, had, everybody had their own like fight. Their you know, own that was fight like that their, they remember. I mean... That was terrible. You know, if, Or your guild just was not suited If for. I think about it enough, um, I can remember barriers that we hit all three of the uh lady vosh kael'thas and illidan were all difficult fights yep but for whatever reason kael'thas is the one that i remember um but at the same time i can remember moments where we're not even we might be in a raid we might not there's just people talking and somebody says something and i had just the right response to something that just made everybody invent erupt in laughter or like that was just as rewarding for me as that was kind of your role as killing a buck. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I have over the years kind of done that wherever I go in my last job. Uh, the boss said that I was director of humor. Yeah, definitely. I mean like not class clown. That's not right. The right term, but like bringing levity to a really irritating situation. Tense situation. That's yeah. I try. I try, and that, that's that's good. That's actually really good to have because I I can tell you, my memories of raiding were not a lot of levity. I mean, it was, and that's again, that's group to group, guild to guild, different types of things for everybody. But the ones that I was in, there was just a lot of like knuckle down for four hours straight. Oh man, so gray rage. And that, the oh, it was so difficult. <laughs> yeah, the GM I learned from that was one thing he was a master of was. Um, figuring out the time when you know we needed to take a break and you know like i said the guild name was die so he played that madonna song every time 
um, we would take a break <laughs> and, um, I, nice. we needed that. And so we tried to carry that through to, to resurrection. Uh, Dennis, I'll leave that to you if that worked out well enough, but yeah, I think so. We would, uh, we'd have sort of running jokes as, um, <laughs> resurrection as, bingo, resurrection bingo. <laughs> I forgot all about that. I was digging through my, uh, my Dropbox trying to find old screenshots. And I found that, uh, found that res bingo. That was, that was pretty funny. Or like, I remember having, uh, having that song, um, you're the best around from I think Karate Kid Two. Yeah, oh, that was that my I would, favorite. I would play just just the little bit of the chorus of every time we first killed or killed anything that wasn't, as we say, on farm. Uh, sort of my my running jokes. We had a bunch of those. I always talk about uh, the Talladega Nights. Uh, help me, Tom Cruise. Help me, Tom get, Cruise. <laughs> get the get the fire off me. Right. Yeah. That. Every every game I mentioned, every guild is different, and it's it's interesting, like hearing a different perspective from different stuff. and And I could talk to another guild leader, and their guild's totally different. I mean, it's just it runs a different way. It's sure. it's just like any job or business or corporation you go to. And when you talk about applying for a guild, it can be the same thing. Do you want to work for Google, or do you want to work for another Fortune five hundred company? the environment has to fit you the same way. Or like Tesla, for example. I mean, like that's an awesome corporation, but if you work for Elon Musk at Tesla, you're working a hundred hours a week. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you're successful and you have a point that you do. And, and so rate rating and successful rating can come in all sorts of different flavors. And I know that it has a bad stigma of being like very militaristic and, and hardcore type stuff, but that's not all rating. There are many, many people back in Vanilla WoW, even uh, with Anixia and the hard stuff, that still were had levity and were fun and were casual people. They, you know, they just did things. They were just that kind of people, and they worked well together. Just you know, just like every person is different, every group of people is different. Exactly, and you and you can. There's no one way to win. I mean, there's a mechanics ways to win, but there's no one way to lead or one way that your group has to work. Um, Some of the best things about guilds in games is the people, and not just, it's how you find the group of people that can mesh together socially, as well as, quote-unquote, professionally, the the way, you know, actually getting content done. I mean, I know that for our group of people back in the day, there were several personalities that would just not have worked in a, in a group of people with a council type leadership, they would have been just constantly trying to manipulate people to get, to get votes and that kind of stuff. And they needed, you know, a, a one person to say, yes, we're going to do it this way. No, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. Um, And if you don't like it, you got to sit. So, yeah. Right. Or if you don't like it, if you don't like it, you can go to another guild that might be the way that you like it. And if you want to, people did, if you want to start all over building those, those relationships and that trust, uh, you can do that. So, uh, really quickly, I know we've we've sort of covered most of this, but um, do you guys have any more um, thoughts or things to share on what um, what the experience uh, taught you about life in general, or maybe that you were able to bring to other situations, professionally or in other hobbies? 
Mike, you want to take the first crack? Uh, sure. Um, I think that uh, one one is the appreciation for things, um, group things, and then leadership, and not just leadership, but also being part of a team that aren't your typical like just in a job. You know, you can't come up to somebody and say um, you're a good leader at software development because you have experience leading throughout time. They can get that stuff from softball teams, from uh, being a leadership in um, your school council or a fraternity or a wow game, or there's different ways that you can cultivate leadership. And well, we also used, well, we used to call extracurriculars though. I don't know how many people are able to right. cite wow as an extracurricular, though it definitely but, but is. I, it definitely is. And and that, that is something that this let me know is that there are, there are value in extracurriculars, I guess there's value in, in not just being the leader, but also being a, a good team player is that you can, when someone says, I was part of a marching band and I, we went to state like that actually has some weight, right? In, yeah. in being on my team for marketing or whatever it might be, because they have a lot of experience being part of a thing that was difficult and they had to put time and commitment to and, ha- and came out with a thing, you know? So this taught me that there's, there's multiple different ways that you can succeed as a group and video games is one of them. Yeah, I think for me, um, it would be that, you know, as far as being a GM in a video game, what it's taught me in real life as a leader is, you know, it takes a certain amount of bravery, um, especially mm. if you're going to make some some claims, you know, for instance, hey, guys, join me. We're going to do this. We're going to kill Illidan. <laughs> um, you want to inform that by a little bit of experience, but uh, there's a bit of bravery um, and a little scariness to that kind of thing. Um, especially when you bring that into real life, when there's like livelihood and money at stake. Um, so it, you know, it was a confidence booster that, you know, I've been able to work with anonymous people over the internet, you know, for an extended period of time to accomplish difficult goals. Um, so I would say anyone who has any desire for leadership, who likes these kinds of things, you know, try, try organizing some, some people over the internet, you know, Gen Z millennials, whatnot, um, (laughs) And, yeah, you know, for sure. as a sort of training course for how to deal with people and then learn what it's like to help people with the, you know, their emotional response to digital content um, and other people being, you know, perhaps jerks over the Internet, things like that. Sure. Right. And, I, and I'll tell you that the, the way that's the most where you will find whether it's for you or not, whether you can succeed or not, isn't in the after conversations or the loot councils or the decision on planning. It's going to be on your first three wipes. Oh my it's gosh. Like when you, when you have the bravery <laughs> to get a group together for the first time that you all show up at the same time. And then you walk in through that gate of, a of a first person shooter or a thing and you go to attempt a thing and then you lose and you fail at it. Yep. Very true. How, how do you react? How do you, what do you do? How do you continue it on? And if you continue or you get lost or it gets whatever, and then everything falls apart, well, okay, maybe that's not for you. Sure. Or, or maybe try again. I mean, but you're going to, you know, you're going to, I think you're probably going to know if uh, you have the emotional fortitude because you're kind of on your own. Um, you know, yeah. the thing that Letter and Tamales had with that council, no one was ever on their own um, to sure. make a decision. But if you run something like that and you're like, hey, guys, we're going to do this my way and, uh, you know, it's going to be fair and you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, it's all on you. And there's a little bit of loneliness there, too. So, yeah. 
and, and and you will fail sometimes and you will wipe and you will not get the loot or you will not happen and it's okay and then that's kind of like that testing your metal yep very much thing. very much you you will say you're going to go to state at the football game team and you will only make it to divisions you know how do you react with your team yeah you know how, as as a leader the payoff though is like you know the state example is a good one you know when you're you have a group of people who are going to run through a wall for you you know that I can't describe that feeling. It's pretty amazing. So it is. And even if you don't go to state people, which the majority of people have not still look back at their junior high football thing and say, like, that was fun. That was worth it. That was the thing. one of the best experiences in my life. Yep. And you guys get to kind of almost relive that again coming this week. I have to admit, that's one of the reasons why I'm playing. Not that I want to be GM. I'm never doing that again. But uh. <laughs> I I know for me, when um, when I quit the game, the I guess technically second time, um, was not very long after you did. Um, I don't remember if you even said any of your reasons for leaving, but I had, I had other reasons. I was unemployed and spending way too much time in the game and had was in a new fairly serious relationship at the time when I quit and I was like well Sean's gone like I liked the guy who was leading but he wasn't you he didn't have the same kind of uh not not confidence but whatever assertiveness I guess and I was like you know this is a good enough reason um for me to for me to give this up it takes up too much of my time and etc etc and I've come back to the game several times over the years but every time I'm like this is fun. I, I enjoy early on when I, when I resub, I enjoy the freedom of being able to do whatever I want to do. I want to do pet battles. I want to level alts, all of that kind of stuff. But then it's ultimately I'm playing an MMO by myself and I'm like, what, why am I doing this? Yeah. I think that's why yeah. I'm restarting this game too, is just because I'm, I've done the same thing. I've come back and you know, the the same community doesn't exist or hasn't existed for me. So right, right. Kind of curious. When I, to see. Well, that's when I heard that's you real, were that's the best salesmanship for <laughs> classic WoW. I think that I've heard is that you know nothing has been like what it was before. I just want a chance to see if I can just do that just want to give it a try. When when I talked to you, Sean, and you were pretty excited about it, I I had pretty much it wasn't even on my radar, and I was like, well, if he's coming back, I've got to at least try it. <laughs> and we got <laughs> on. That. We got on uh, the the group, the other group Discord, and there were a handful of people who were like, "Oh, this and this." And uh, the one guy's like, "Yeah, I remember meeting that guy, and he didn't like me because of this thing." And I'm like, "I remember that. I was there. Remember we did this, and we had this gnome, and I would feign death on the wipes, but my jumper cables wouldn't work, so I'd just sit in the thing and fish while you guys all ran back." And he's oh like, my "Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember, I remember you." It's that kind of nostalgia thing. And then I got a couple of our real life buddies from Bloomington, well, the ones moved away from Bloomington now, but they were like kind of curious and the one resubscribed. And I don't know if they'll stay more than a month, but I'm like for this first, you know, before we started recording, I was fortunate enough to actually get in the game at, at 6 PM Eastern. And we played for 45 minutes before getting kicked out, which would sound ridiculous to anybody who doesn't know anything about wow, but for some reason is still listening to this conversation. Um, <laughs> you know, launch day, it's fairly impressive. Like I got in right when it opened and was able to play for almost an hour before uh, before getting disconnected. So um, I'm excited to to try it and see where it goes. Yeah, right. Exciting. 
Hey, so going to shift a little bit here since we've just got a little bit of little time, time left here on, on our stuff. I am assuming that uh, by your demeanor alone that you're not a uh, under 20-year-old fellow, Sean. Have you seen the movie The Matrix? Uh, <laughs> yes, and I, I watched it recently. It was actually the... Oh, you have. It was the last movie I saw before going off to PCC, um, which uh, at wow. that place you're not that college you're not allowed to watch movies so um (laughs) right so so we we have this thing and i'm not sure you're familiar with the show we've got is that that uh, dennis and i have been going through a a poster where you go through and it shows us the top 100 what's called a bucket list is someone thing that some creator of this poster has decided that 100 movies that you should watch before you pass on this world whether Um, are either fun to watch good or significant in the history of Right. So this week, when we go through them and we've got a a schedule and this week we watched um, we watch a movie and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Not necessarily reviewing it, but just kind of discussing a lot of the different facets, what we think about it. Um, So this week, let's go ahead and Dennis do our uh, weekly chat 2020 challenge. What do you say? Sure. So this time, like I said, we have something called The Matrix yep. with Keanu Reeves. What year is this? 1999 uh, with Wachowski Brothers, quote unquote. And uh, yeah. They were the brothers back then. Now they're the sisters. Yeah, I think the they're Wachowskis still, now. Yeah. The Wachowskis. The Wachowskis, yeah. 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 Um, right. Probably the first, maybe not the first, but the the biggest like mainstream piece of fiction um, positing this question of what what is our reality and could we be living in a simulation i mean it's only been in the 21st century that we've or 20th century i guess that we've considered technology at the scale of our whole reality could be simulated but you go back to um whichever guy with the cave in the shadows i think that was plato like what is what is reality what is the physical world um this whole thing but it's Part that, part that sort of crazy storytelling, and partly this um, a sort of collection of revolutionary special effects at the time. Right. The it's it's actually a weird thing that all kind of came together. One of the courses I'm taking at IU is um, it's uh, called Designing in Virtual Reality, hmm. and I had a seminar today, and he spoke. He just spoke on the topic of virtual reality, and he and he really very much came and said, you know, defining reality is not just one thing. It's you know, it's so many different kinds of things. And yes, our physical world around us may be what you say is reality, but it's our senses determining something. Right, and. You know, that's what reality is to us at the moment or the time. And no matter what you do, if you're scared, you can't take physically take a step forward because you're afraid of heights of something that's not there. Right. Quote unquote. Right. Let me but in your mind. It is. It, and and this this matrix is very much what that is. Right. We is, just live in this is one of these. This reality. is um, I'm going to do this. This is a 20 year old movie. But but here at the front, I want to hit the bell because um, oh, yeah. if you've not seen the matrix uh, from 1989, we're going to spoil it. So here's the bell. So we're going to spoil we, the matrix. We, we, so, uh, we sort of already yeah. have, but uh, right, right. Uh, so, Sean, this, this, this. Did you see this when it was out? Like when it came out? Oh, absolutely. You said, yep. Like when it was in theaters. Yep. Yeah, it was. At the time, I thought, man, this is the best movie I think I've ever seen. 
right? Yeah, right. right. Now, mind. it's a good thing that they stopped at just one and didn't make sequels <laughs> like all those other things, right? I wish. <laughs> that's that's the joke. I that, made that was last a Dennis week, joke yeah. from last week, right? <laughs> just, yeah, because it's so. I mean, like I said, this this question of like, what is reality? People were, you know, looking for, you know, re- spiritual religious allegory. It's it's packed with allegory on its own. It's funny we spent this whole conversation talking about MMOs because my buddy who I played well with that I've referenced a couple times, he played The Matrix online. I never did, but he would tell mm, me yeah, stories. Right. That game was notorious for um, like live in-game events that would be run right. by the actual GMs. They would come through as as agents or whatever, and there would be some kind of puzzle the community would have to work out, and it was usually some kind of anagram, like Neo is an anagram for one. Right. Um, yeah, so you've got all that stuff, and then this stuff like the bullet time, the slow motion. It's, it's stuff that... Like, it's funny, we talked about Chaplin last week and how... Um, some of those styles and elements of humor have become so um, so parodied or paid homage to or just mm-hmm. merely recycled to the point that you watch the original source material and you're like, okay. So, <laughs> Mike, did this feel did this feel tired to you? Did it did it feel did the special effects feel bad or cheap now or? Uh, I I gotta say I've I've watched the third the second and third one and those definitely felt tired and cheap. This one felt fantastic. Yeah, I mean I I still loved almost the overtness of the the kung fu and Keanu Reeves does like mad posing through the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like which is just phenomenal. There, there's this one scene where he's which I, a scene I had totally forgotten about was when he fights Agent Smith down in the subway. Oh, and, yeah. and and he starts fighting him and then he gets up and he does this like gesture. shaking thing with a gesture with his hands. He's like, yeah. and I'm like, that was cool, but stupid, but cool. <laughs> this you is know? why everyone was named Neo in games for like six years after that. Movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he just did those things. Right. Uh, and, and of course, uh, what's the guy? Agent Smith. Agent uh, Smith. Also Hugo uh, Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Fantastic job. Right. Like the, to, playing this agent computer thing that actually has a bit of an emotional something he's losing it i watched Um, this i watched this again with my sisters who's um the one is for for she's 36 and -hmm. the other one is going to be 20 this year and so somebody showed my 20 year old sister this when she was like seven and my older sister and I were like, who let you watch this? Did you even understand it? And she was like, right. not really. Not really, um, yeah. And so we were constantly like, hey, are you watching? Are you paying attention? You're not, look, you're looking at your phone. Um, <laughs> like, you're, you're missing all the great, you know, k- kind of stuff. But uh, we kept going, what, what accent is Hugo Weaving trying to do here? And, of course, for me. It was Elrond, Lord of the Rings. Elrond. It's, 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 a, it's a little bit pre-Elrond, but I'm like, he's... He's English doing a little bit of an American accent, but I, my impression was he's trying to talk like an AI, a computer, computer, a superior, uh, you know, artificial intelligence talking down to the humans that he sees as, 
you know, insects or so very a virus, British, as he says. Like, right. just right. let me I couldn't say take this slowly so Lord that you Rings can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had that, I had that same problem. I agree, I agree. Yeah. Seeing him in Lord of the Rings afterwards when he kind of does that same kind of thing, it's, it's very much weird. I, I will say this watching this one. This is one of those. This is the future part that comes in now. Now that I understand how computers work and not this mysterious what is interwebs <laughs> thing, like I kept thinking the whole thing is like this whole premise is terrible because if AI was really that smart, they would have easily murdered. I know how to run a query on who is Neo and you know run in some facial recognition and do a search and find him in the world. Well, before you right. even get to like. Really, there was no better way they could get electricity. Really, <laughs> seems like seems like a lot of work, right? And yeah. and, the, and the, the thing is that like Don't I loved how, yeah. oh, right? Exactly. I love how that exactly. when he woke, they woke him up. It's like the robot comes and unplugs him, and I'm like, doesn't the robot like hold on? First off, let's do a scan and see if this is the same guy that keeps spawning on us all the time, right. And screwing us. So nope, they just let him go. And they're like, I guess he'll die. Why don't they yeah, just it's murder the, it's the guy? The, it's the Bond villain kind of killing off. It's like if somebody wakes up in their pod, why don't you just euthanize them right then and then liquefy him to turn him into Soylent for the infants or whatever? Like, yeah. no, we're going to unplug him and then run him down this tube and he'll be pulled. I mean, the whole movie doesn't work otherwise. But Nothing works. Well, all of that's the thing is that they're all after Zion, right? That's like, well, you're basically giving everybody their population. You know how this is not a difficult thing to figure out. Right. None of it was. See, so this is like revealing that Raiders of the Lost Ark did not depend on Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. that makes you feel terrible yeah. right? he's just but, there while stuff's happening around right him. right the uh yeah spoiler alert so good. sorry right um we, we or, or big trouble uh, then the same thing with big trouble in little china one of my favorite shows is that you know jack burton is not actually the hero he's the sidekick <laughs> and, i never thought of that wow oh man watch that again and you realize that that his uh the the buddy who's the like the karate guy he's I, the hero oh my I, gosh hmm? That one, he's totally the hero. Is that on our list? I don't think it's on our list, but I have never seen that. Oh man, yeah, oh, that's Jack gross. Burton is comic relief. He never, he always has his gun mess up at the wrong time. He he never does anything successful. And the other guy is the hero who has says the right things, does the cool stuff, and Jack is just the the sidekick. So you'll never watch that, that that was the point that you'll never watch the movie the same again so the matrix was this way too and i watched it this time and i was very much like ah, oh, that's not how ai works <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't matter because neo was just doing cool keanu was doing some cool poses right um, and i will say that uh, trinity what's the, the actress's name um, carrie ann moss carrie ann moss was amazing like she's <laughs> super cool yeah she does uh, a good the, job the two of them like carried the movie right they were just incredible Cypher is a pretty likable bad guy, too, I'd say. Not likable, yeah. oh. but like a guy you love to hate. La- yeah, last year, that's yeah. true. Last year, I, I had Mike watch Memento, which is that same guy. Right. Even though yeah. he's not he's not the bad guy. Uh, he's not. For, Moment, right. for Memento. Uh, if you want to go back uh, to Front Porch Episode 74, Bad Dates, we did talk about <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, um, coming to check that out. I yeah, I, I loved all of the, like... Oh, what you know? What in retrospect is like overt '90s-ness of this of this movie, like the giant computer monitors and like you know Neo is a the drug dealer of 
codes, you know, of hacking <laughs> programs of some kind on on uh, mini disc, those little <laughs> right. CDs in the cartridge thing that nobody yep. is ever nobody remembers anymore. Um, right. I still use those. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's so many things that you're like, there's no way in the future that the AI would be using those kind of monitors, and they, but they are in the future or think anything like that. It's and and it's even though right. even though I've said that I am not much of a repeat movie watcher, like when I was a kid, I've said this before, like we watched Toy Story a hundred times, um, but once I got into college, I was like, there's just so much stuff to see, and this was 20 years ago. Um, like I don't have time to watch something again like i want to watch <laughs> something new that i haven't seen i'm never going to catch up which you never are but um right for all of that i i don't feel like i've watched this movie a lot but i remembered every line of dialogue just before it happened and i'm like <laughs> okay i must have seen this movie at least you know a dozen times to remember right. all of these well, one thing uh, I'll say about that, though, is I uh, I read the transcript before mm. uh, before our thing today, and it's not as long as you'd think it is. That's true. Oh, really? It's there's a whole a lot, lot more of... action than, than dialogue. Yep. There's a lot of what? action. I was watching the runtime, and he goes to meet the Oracle, and I'm like, oh, we've got like half an hour left, or a little bit less. And then I'm thinking about everything that hasn't happened yet, and I'm like, oh, this last half hour is almost all action. Yeah, there are a couple scenes. There's the whole, you know, Agent Smith telling uh, Morpheus that that humankind is a virus. And also for the first time watching that scene, he makes a statement that every other mammal instinctively reaches an equilibrium with its environment. And I went, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Mammals reach equilibrium with their environment because they have predators usually. Right. That keep them, right. or the predators re- reach equ- equilibrium because there's not enough uh, food. That you know they right. starve yeah, and die like out. The wasting like, disease for deer or something. There's yeah. no, uh, there's no instinct that makes that happen. That's uh, checks and balances. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, I, I do want to correct myself and say that now that you said it, Lawrence Fishburne also is amazing in this movie too. Like he I, makes Morpheus. I, oh, I thought that when you said that. My my youngest sister, because we watched this in two sittings. And in the second half, it was just late enough. She had done enough during the day that she was struggling to stay awake, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, an experience I can sympathize with. I tell that joke mm-hmm. about Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. But they get to the love confession. And she's like, what is this out of nowhere with no, like, setup? <laughs> I and totally agree. <laughs> the old, older siblings of us are like, there's setup if you know to look for it. But I'm like, yeah, really, you see it. And I, like, even knowing it was coming, I was like, oh, here comes that super cheesy, you know, love Makes confession. No sense he line, must be yeah. the one because she loves him and he comes back from the dead uh, kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I got to say that this movie, you, to talk about your your um, point of rewatching it again and again, is that it does go from cool scene to cool scene to cool scene really quickly. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're not seeing that the helicopter raining bullets from above, you're seeing Morpheus break the chains or fight Agent Smith in the bathroom. It's just constant everything. And then, then you've got another scene where they're going through the security checkpoint and mm-hmm. the columns are exploding and just stuff it, exploding. A lot of that uh, Kung Fu movie kind of um, ridiculous Foley work, really excessive, like grunts and and voice vocal noises during 
hand-to-hand combat. Uh, it's just all like, like you said earlier, you're like, this is dumb, but this is also awesome. Like, yeah. like the loading scene after they download jujitsu and some stuff. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. the uh, stop trying to hit me and hit me. Yeah, that was awesome. Do you, yeah. you think that's air you're breathing now? <laughs> yeah, so good. That's so good. Like, that's the thing about this movie is that it just doesn't let you go. Because as soon as you have a second, even I think the worst part, the most dry part is when Neo gets awoken. Like you see the world that's exciting and it gets dumped. And then it's a, a very slow, seems like 40 minutes, which is actually like 35 seconds of him <laughs> recuperating. And you're like, okay, now nothing's happening. I guess the movie's oh, over. That, no, that now they're eating sludge there. for, yeah. 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 And, and then, and then you're like, just get past this. And then the rest of the movie again is like, okay, now we have you back. And, and um, after all of know. the movies we've seen, I can see some of the like filmmaker decisions because they mm-hmm. do that thing with the, with the food. And I'm like, He's been awake in the real world for a couple days now. And this is the first time that they're showing us the food. Well, they have to, in like two or three scenes, show Cypher, start pulling plugs. And he's like, I'm tired of being in this place and eating the same goop every day. And I'm like, oh, well, they had to show us the goop so we understand part of why he's so disgruntled. Right. Well, this this movie... Like I said, it did uh, what John Wick has also done, speaking of another Keanu movie here, is that it's the same very similar kind of thing. While this one is very heady with the idea of like, you know, what is the Matrix type thing, mm-hmm. uh, the the John Wick st- is the very much same kind of a thing. There, I bet you if you looked at the John Wick script, there's not but like four pages of maybe yep. dialogue in it. Oh, yeah. But of- it just it just grabs you and holds you on for an hour and a half. It's mostly just Keanu Reeves double tapping. Yep. Exactly. So, and and that is entertaining. So speaking of John Wick, uh, I read that they're going to reboot this franchise for not reboot it, but do a, a part four. And one oh, of the Matrix. Yep. And one of the prevailing themes, not prevailing, but the internet conspiracies, is that sure. uh, that John Wick uh, lives in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring it! Bring the a little bit of a Cosmere uh, kind of. Exactly. Universe thing. Jeez. Whoa. Well, well, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, cause we're running, we're running long on time here. Um, in final judgment, do you think this is a movie that is on the list because it's good and fun to watch or that it's significant in the history of film or a little bit of both? Mike? Uh, that's crazy because I think it is significant in the history of film because I can appreciate now that I've watched all these, these shows, what their what the directors have done for the first time, but that's not the reason to watch this show. The reason to watch this show is because it's entertaining and it's fun, and you should be on the bucket list because it's a fun show to watch. I yep. know that Pure I know that none of us um, none of us came to this movie new. We all saw it, you know, back r- roughly twenty years ago. Um, do you think this still holds up if somebody's watching it for the first time? What do you think, Sean? Absolutely. It's uh, the filmography is pretty good. And, uh, I mean, don't watch for the dialogue necessarily, but the story is interesting. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I'd absolutely say it holds up. I, I, I agree. I think I said, um, I said this a couple times because we watched original toy story before we saw toy story four. And I said, man, for being 25 year old movie, um, the, the visuals in this, kind of hold up especially compared to anything else made in the mid and late 90s 
right um, which Absolutely. you know that was four or five years before this and that's that's true of a lot of this like there are a lot of scenes where i can say oh yeah i see that that's they're doing some green screen there and this kind of thing and of course for me i know i've seen the the behind the scenes stuff where they've got like a hundred some cameras like physical separate right. cameras set up in a big circle so that as as Keanu Reeves falls and throws his arms back, they're catching this whole thing in a big circle. Or, you know, when they do yeah. all the wire fight. Within like a kind 30, of scenes and 20 stuff. second but type thing, right? It doesn't really, none of that really detracts from it. It's like watching the Crouching Tiger movies or whatever. You're like, you know it's not real, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I, I got to say, again, the second and third ones, you can really tell CGI stuff, but... This one they just did a they just did a fantastic job and and I got to give credit to the to the directors. I think knowing this kind of new thing like I want to see this and making new ways to do it, that's impressive, right? Yep. You know, real impressive. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh just because I have to ask this. Uh do you guys think that we're living in a simulation? Mm. What do you think, Sean? Are are we are we Playing a simulation of World of Warcraft in a simulation of the Matrix. <laughs> well, Elon Musk seems to think that it's possible, but uh, I'm going to go with no. Just... I'm going to go with no, too, I guess. Our, I, our, our buddy Pete tell. said something interesting. They were talking about a video game, and I was like, it's ironic that you're talking about this because we're watching the Matrix this week. But he said, he said, we probably are, but if we are, it's not worth trying to get out. He's like, if we're... If we're <laughs> If we've cured aging and we've discovered that the only way for people to to be happy is to have this struggle, then you probably want to stay in it. And if we're on a an intergalactic um, spaceship, like in pods, you know, so you don't want to get out and be the only guy wandering around alone in a in a spaceship for the rest of your life. Yeah, like, you know, that actually thought was a, a neat little thing, which that he did say was that really made me think is that, He's a weird guy. you know, if, if if you're going for a 300 year voyage and they put us in a pod, they want you to live lifetimes. Maybe it's a thousand year thing. They want you to live lifetimes and have all that experience and then wake up and know it all. That would be something, right? <laughs> Crazy. So, OK. Hey, Sean, thanks for being on the show this week. Appreciate you coming in and chatting about some wild stuff. And I'm sure you're eager to get get at it and start killing Hogger. I'm still 114,000, or excuse me, 14,000. Thank you. 14, I'm down to, to 8,000. I might get on before I fall asleep tonight. Probably not, though, at this point. You'll, you'll get on right as you fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Happen. Exactly. All right. All right. Let's, where is my note for this? Okay. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 105. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our other show, KlingonsAndDragons.com. It is a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. It's not safe for work. If you have questions or comments, feedback on the show, tell us what you think about the holodeck that we are all living in. You can email <laughs> us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms if you don't like email. Uh, we got the schedule for the 100 movies. Um, we didn't ask this, but next week we are watching Apocalypse Now. So that's a, another cheerful one. <laughs> nice and happy. Yeah. Living in Vietnam simulation. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. 
And I'm Michael. And I'm Sean. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.